0: to the David Glenn Show. Appreciate Eli Drinkwitz of App State for dropping by after the big win over South Carolina and Columbia. Jim Zoki of the Panthers with us as well. It was a disappointing defeat for sure, but no embarrassment in losing at Green Bay to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. They are eight and two under their first-year head coach. Panthers have a chance to get back to their winning ways by hosting Atlanta on Sunday. What was the best thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and what made it that? What was the worst thing you saw and what made it that? Worst of, the Saints, losing at home to 1-7 Atlanta. The Bengals, they fell to the Ravens, more so their L-9, the only winless team in the NFL. The Wolfpack was stomped by Clemson. The Blue Devils got rocked by Notre Dame at Wallace Wade. Wake Forest went hall at Virginia Tech. The Hornets lost twice. The Canes got stomped at at uh, Ottawa this weekend. Don Cherry, noted bunch of jerk's voice on hockey, also a Worst of the Weekend nominee. As we come to Kevin in Burlington, Colin in Raleigh, Brian in Apex, and you, and as we wish you all a happy Veterans Day with more stories about Jackie Robinson, Pat Tillman, Joe DiMaggio, Ted Williams, Rocky Marciano, and other legends of the American sports world who also served our country in the U.S. Armed Forces. We come to your questions, comments, and best and worst of the weekend votes, 1-800-849-2761. Denny Hamlin Joe Gibbs Racing, the Seattle Sounders, App State's Mountaineers, Virginia Tech, LSU, Minnesota, Ohio State, Clemson, and Baylor. Among your best of the weekends from college football, you can jump in and add to our list at 1-800-849-2761. Quick NFL note, as week 10 concludes tonight with Monday Night Football, if I made a list of my personal most intriguing developments, meaning team by team more so than player by player, my five most intriguing team developments would include the two teams that play each other tonight. And what I mean is, if y'all had San Francisco as the last team unbeaten in the NFL, I need you on my side when I go to Vegas next month for uh, a bunch of buddies getting together because we're going to cash out at the betting window. The Niners' defense is way better than expected. They're getting enough offensively that they're 8-0 as they host the Seahawks tonight. And why do I put Seattle on the same list, five most intriguing team developments compared to whatever I or you expected back in July or August? Russell Wilson, former NC State superstar, has been great in the past. This may be the best version of Russell Wilson. This is the if you cast your ballot at midseason for MVP of the whole league, Russell Wilson would get the most votes. This is 7-2 and two Seattle led by that version of Russell Wilson visiting 8-0 San Francisco. So you have the MVP candidate... Dealing with the elite, I mean, right up there next to side-by-side with the New England Patriots, it is a truly elite 49ers defense. Something's got to give tonight. Will it be the Niners' unbeaten record? Will it be Russell Wilson's MVP status? It's worth watching. It is must-see TV as Week 10 of the NFL comes to a conclusion tonight. 1-800-849-2761. Among the other things on my top five list, again, most intriguing team developments, Minnesota. Always good on defense under Mike Zimmer. Kirk Cousins playing better. Going to Dallas last night and beating a pretty good Cowboys team on Sunday Night Football. 7-3 and Minnesota would make my top five intriguing list. And at this point, I don't know how you could not put Lamar Jackson and the 7-2 and Baltimore Ravens on that list. I wasn't Bill Polian, Lamar's going to have to learn wide receiver if he, need, if he wants to stick in the NFL. I mean, that's going to hover over Bill Polian, a Hall of Fame general manager, forever and ever. He has, by the way, said he admits, yes, clearly he was flat wrong with that evaluation. Lamar Jackson, 22-year-old, former Heisman winner at Louisville, but speculative his NFL promise coming out of Louisville remember that's why he dropped behind so many other quarterbacks uh, and to the end of that first round when he came out it was 49-13 Ravens over Cincinnati you don't really get best of the weekend for beating the worst team in the NFL but Lamar Jackson perfect passer rating like if you said hey DG Lamar Jackson's gonna have a 47-yard ankle-breaking run that makes otherwise best-in-the-world NFL defensive athletes look stupid and fall over themselves, I'd say, oh, yeah, I saw that guy at Louisville lots of times. If you're telling me Lamar at some point in his NFL career is going to do that, I'd say, oh, yeah, no doubt about it. He's going to make people look bad the way Michael Vick did with his legs, the way a Randall Cunningham did back in the day with his legs. Cam is more of a supersized guy who's not going to twirl around you like a ballerina, even though he's one of the most accomplished dual-threat quarterbacks in NFL history. That part of the Lamar Jackson equation, yes. I knew he could make even elite NFL defenders look stupid while running. The three-touchdown passes with zero interceptions version of Lamar Jackson against Cincinnati, the I'm-leading-a-7-2 and two football team, Lamar Jackson, the perfect passer rating, to get that, by the way, you don't need to complete every pass. It's a mathematical formula. And only occasionally does anybody have a perfect NFL passer rating. Lamar Jackson did. That's, again, not his running acumen. That's just crunching numbers, objectively. Lamar Jackson had that rare perfect passer rating while leading the Ravens to a 49-13 win over lowly Cincinnati. Cincinnati. He, too, and they, collectively, another of my most intriguing team developments in this year's NFL. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Colin and Raleigh wants in on one of the more intriguing NCAA developments of the weekend. As we're collecting your best and worst of the weekend votes, I mentioned earlier the Memphis Tigers have both a talented basketball team under first-year head coach Penny Hardaway, and a legal showdown with the NCAA over the eligibility status of their star player and future high NBA lottery pick, James Wiseman. He might even be a candidate for number one overall. When Jay Billis joined us and told us which freshman to look for in college basketball, he was like, hey, that UNC point guard Cole Anthony is special, and that Memphis big guy James Wiseman is special. So who knows where they end up in NBA status, and who knows how their freshman seasons continue to go. Cole Anthony doesn't have eligibility complications. James Wiseman's family took a bunch of money from Petty Hardway a couple years ago when the family was moving to Memphis. Memphis is playing James Wiseman even though the NCAA has told Memphis that he is likely an ineligible player. This is not something you see very often. I gave the example of Chase Young, Ohio State defensive end. When the Buckeyes got word that Chase Young took stuff to jeopardize his amateur status, they put him on hold. It's like putting him on ice. We're going to work with the NCAA, find out how much he took. Is he ineligible forever? Is he going to just have a two- or three- or four-game suspension? Let's follow the facts. Let's cooperate with the NCAA. And if they say Chase is out for four games, well, you know what? We're going to play him down the stretch only after the NCAA gives us Ohio State the green light. Memphis did not have to play James Wiseman just because James Wiseman's family won a temporary restraining order. Memphis is flipping the bird, figuratively speaking, at the NCAA. That is not a path I've seen taken very often as a person who's covered compliance issues for over 30 years. I believe that the NCAA is holding in its back pocket the your defiance could lead to an NCAA tournament ban. Now, they're going to have to consult their attorneys, and, of course, it's already a legal issue as we speak. Colin has some of these issues on his mind as we welcome him to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead.
1: Hey, David. uh, Good job today. Thank you. Happy Veterans Day. Um, I was questioning because Wiseman took money from a then-high school coach who was helping his family move to go play at Memphis East. Yes, but yet the NCAA, under the current constitution, is allowing universities such as Oklahoma State to hire family members of top recruits like Cade Cunningham, his brother, so they could sign him on staff as a recruit. I don't see how they're yeah. justifying the two. We get to having two separate situations.
0: Yeah, here's, so here's, the, bo- here's, the, here's the bottom line. If you looked at – I'll save you the trouble of doing this because it makes my head hurt just thinking about it. But if you looked at every NCAA lawsuit and legal case ever filed, repeatedly courts have said that it is legal for the NCAA to have amateurism as part of its model. It is legal over and over and over. Now, you might have to argue over the details, but it is legal for the NCAA to say – your family can't take money from boosters or that player's eligibility is jeopardized. So the NCAA has a slew of legal cases defending that point of view. If you tried to prevent, you know, back in the day, Danny Manning, now the Wake Forest basketball coach, signed with Kansas, and lo and behold, his truck driver dad got a job on the Kansas Jayhawks coaching staff. Hmm, I wonder if those two things were tied together the NCAA does not have the legal right to tell an adult that he or she can't make a living. So if the NCAA tried to adopt that rule, wait a minute, we all know what's going on here. You just want to sign the kid. So you're going to give the dad who maybe was an AAU coach or something, you're just giving the dad a job to entice the kid to sign with you. If the NCAA tried to prevent that dad from taking that job, the NCAA would get sued and would lose, and they know it. It's not like they they might not have an instinct. Of course they have an instinct. They don't like how that looks and smells. They want kids to choose places over, you know, whatever. They like the coach. They want to play ball there. They want to be on TV there. Maybe they like the academics there. We all know the list of things that don't upset anybody. They don't want it to be, well, dad just got hired there, and it's kind of buying a recruit, but it's kind of not because technically he is performing a service and he is you know, employed by the university. The NCAA probably has an instinct to adopt a rule that would prevent that, but their lawyers are saying, dude, you're going to get sued, you're going to lose, and it's going to cost you a lot of money. When they have these rules protecting amateurism, the law is on their side. And it might sound strange to you. I get it. This is why we have to pay attorneys $1,000 an hour for legal advice. That is the differentiation point between why you can't stop the adults from taking those coaching jobs, assistant or otherwise, but why you are allowed to prevent the young person or his family from taking money from boosters, or in this case, the guy who wasn't his college coach at the time the family took the money. Penny Hardaway was the guy who did coach him in high school, Now Penny Hardaway is the Memphis Tigers head basketball coach and is the same guy who gave the money $10,000 plus a couple years ago as they relocated to Memphis. The NCAA is going to see that as a crystal clear violation of James Wiseman's status. And for those who wonder, does it matter that the family took the money instead of James Wiseman taking the money? No. It's it's the family or the person taking money based on his – prominence as an athlete, from somebody who, remember, even before he got the Memphis job, was already considered a Memphis booster. After his time in professional basketball, Penny Hardaway donated a lot of money to Memphis. That makes you, by definition, a booster. There's a lot of definitions of booster. That's a pretty crystal clear one. You wore the Memphis uniform, and you've donated seven figures worth of money there. Now you're the coach of James Wiseman at Memphis on top of it. That has like bells going off in NCAA headquarters. And anybody who thinks they're not going to draw a line in the sand here, at least until some lawyer or judge somewhere tells them they can't, doesn't understand how the NCAA works. If this were permissible, Penny Hardaway funding the athlete's move to Memphis and then signing him a couple of years later to play for his college, uh, that. That is against so many NCAA mores and concepts and the amateur status and the amateurism principles that it's no surprise that the NCAA put out a statement saying, hey, Memphis, I'm paraphrasing, of course, Memphis, if you keep playing this guy knowing that we've told you that his eligibility status is in major question, he's probably ineligible. Again, they declared him eligible months ago. Anybody who thinks that that's a forever thing doesn't understand how the every athlete on the inbound is declared eligible. But if ever evidence comes up that you were not an amateur later, it's it's like if you got a driver's license here in the state of North Carolina, do you think that you have that driver's license in all of perpetuity, no matter how you handle it? No. Oh, but you gave me a driver's license. You can't say ta- you can't take that away. Well, you've been busted for going 120 miles an hour in its school zone four times now. Yeah, we can take it away. Similarly, you can get the certification from the NCAA. Okay, this guy is approved as a college athlete. We've done preliminary investigation. We don't see anything that makes him ineligible. The idea that that is, you know, perpetual and for all of time and, you know, like, like we, what, pricked fingers and drew X's in blood? No, it doesn't work that way. You can get the initial eligibility clearance and then later the NCAA finds out this money from Penny Hardaway to the family of James Wiseman. Yeah, it's revoked. That's how most licenses work. Actually, there's nothing unusual about that part of the equation at all. 1-800-849-2761. Let me try Kevin in Burlington. You're next on Best and Worst of the Weekend. Go right ahead. All right, D.G. My best of the weekend is my Vikings. Big win on the road. Uh-uh. No doubt. Finally, beat a big team at prime time, so, but they sure did almost give me a heart attack, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what, uh-huh. if if I picked five or six teams with the best chance of making a long run, I really believe your Vikings are on my list of half dozen. I, that defense plus Dalvin Cook and you know the often but not always version of Kirk Cousins, man, I think you can ride that wave a long way. Well let's hope so <laughs> yeah. i've been with him since 77 so you as a sports fan you know i mean it's you, you try to get your hopes up but then again you want to keep keep it down but my worst has got
1: to be rivera like okay what is the two-point conversion <laughs> like i think the announcer said the analytics supports it they well, do. i don't know what analytics they're looking at i mean
0: <laughs> it's a headache to read the article i actually read the 538.com article on it I don't even know how to summarize it briefly, but basically if, you, if you're if you down eight, you scored the touchdown. You're within eight points of the Packers. If you go for two and you miss, you still have a chance of another touchdown going for two and tying it. If you go for two and you make it, they, they, they calculate how much you're putting at risk. It's kind of like a chess match. What are you putting at risk in terms of a percentage chance of winning versus what you're getting if you convert in terms of a percentage chance of winning? Ron Rivera doesn't sound convinced, to be honest. Uh, That was was an analytics decision. I am 100% certain, as I said earlier in the show, that the Panthers' new owner, David Tepper, was concerned about a handful of things in the Panthers' culture. Now, it didn't help that Jerry Richardson had to leave in part because of racism and sexism and other ugly allegations. But in terms of football, David Tepper was most concerned about what he saw as an underutilization, good SA2 word, of analytics and metrics and such. So I think David Tepper a, gave a top-down order. Listen, I'm not going to tell you how to coach, but in the modern-day NFL, when we have this available data, I expect you to use it the way in my hedge fund management days, I expected my analysts to use cold, hard data in helping our clients make billions as well. That's a top-down directive from David Tepper. So whether or not Ron Rivera is to his heart and soul sold on the analytics doesn't matter. That directive has been given from above, and that's the way. When you flip the card and it says down eight, in this circumstance, you go for two, Ron Rivera is going to go for two because David Tepper signs his paychecks. one 800 More of your best and worst of the weekend. Phone calls on the other side, and I we- will revisit why I don't believe Teams like Penn State and Alabama, while losers this weekend, again, LSU beating Alabama in Tuscaloosa, and Minnesota edging Penn State in what was a home game for the Golden Gophers. Best of the weekend, you know, they get as much credit as anybody, although the Hokies, the Mountaineers, and in different ways, the Pirates and the 49ers of college football deserved some best of the weekend love as well. If you are a prominent one-loss resume, you are not necessarily dead yet. Do you need help if you're somebody like Alabama? Absolutely, positively, yes, you do. Because remember, at this point, losing head-to-head to to LSU, Alabama does not have a road without help to just playing in the SEC title game, much less winning it. So when your best win is Texas A&M, even though your only loss is not a bad loss, I mean, who wouldn't lose to this LSU team? That's not a bad loss. At some point, you need multiple quality wins. And as we speak, Texas A&M is kind of a nice win for Alabama. They do play Auburn later, but if they beat the Tigers to end the regular season, that's their best win. And if you start splicing up one-loss resumes, if Alabama beats Auburn, their best win would be over those Auburn Tigers. Their second best win would be over a Texas A&M team that might finish with some, you know, middling record like a an 8-4 and four or something like that. And then what's the Tide's third best win? Whatever you think it is, it's not a great win. And against some other one-loss resumes, it may pale in comparison to Tide's resume. Might they get there? Yes, they might. Where will they be in the committee rankings tomorrow night? We shall see. You're, if you're one of the five unbeatens, you control where you go from here you don't need help from anybody almost all the one loss resumes at this point need some help more on that story with more of your calls 1-800-849-2761 next on the David Glenn show I believe it is the NBA's turn in the line dance and I don't think they can dance I don't think they can dance as well as DG dances, and I'm only a three or a four.
1: The David Glenn Show, weekdays at noon.
0: Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We do have lines open for the first time in a long time. We're celebrating Veterans Day. Thanking, of course, all who served in the U.S. Armed Forces. Also, digging up some great stories from the past, including examples of those who stepped away, in some cases, midstream from their athletics career. Rocky Blyer, Joe DiMaggio, Ted Williams in baseball, Jackie Robinson, famous for other reasons in the baseball context and a multi-sport superstar, served our country as well. You can jump in with your question, comment, happy Veterans Day story, or your best or worst of the weekend, 1-800-849-2761. We are coming back to your calls. Brian is in Apex and has college football on his mind. Matt is in Raleigh and has the NFL on his mind. The votes were all over the place. Not a lot of wins in our backyard. Panthers lose at Green Bay. Hurricanes lose at Ottawa. We'll see you at PNC tonight for the rematch against the Senators. The Hornets lost twice this weekend. In college football, Duke got smashed by Notre Dame at Wallace Wade. NC State got obliterated by Clemson 55-10 to at Carter-Finley. We were there for the big tailgate tour. Had a blast on the big tailgate tour side of things. We were with the Storm Squad. What could possibly go wrong? We went and visited a lot of former Tailgate of the Week honorees and offered a new one, that great prize. ECU played well but fell at top 25 SMU, not a vict- not a lot of victories to celebrate, but App State's win was a huge one. That's on Brian's mind. You can join us with your best or worst of the weekend, 1-800-849-2761. The one-loss college football resumes are not dead yet. Just one example for you as we go to Brian and Apex and you calling from elsewhere, 1-800-849-2761. Penn State is 8-1. I'm sure, having grown up not too far, far from Happy Valley in Pennsylvania, where Penn State calls home, it's a downtime. It's a dark time. They went to Minnesota, Battle of Unbeatens, and it was the Golden Gophers getting the 31-26 win. You need a little creativity, especially in the darkness of defeat, to think along these lines. But are you telling me that if Penn State, still 8-1, and one, remember, they play 7-2 and two Indiana this week, maybe they win they go to still undefeated Ohio State. Now, No, I'm not picking the Nittany Lions to beat the Buckeyes there, but in terms of controlling your future, the Nittany Lions beating Indiana, beating Ohio State, beating Rutgers, and then playing in the Big Ten title game, what if they got revenge against Minnesota in the Big Ten title game? You're telling me that 12-1 and Big Ten champion – that got to answer its only loss by beating the Golden Gophers in the rematch in the title game? You're telling me that wouldn't be one heck of a resume among the one-loss resumes? Keep in mind, whereas there are five unbeatens, and no, you're not going to hurdle past a 13-0 conference champion in the Power Five. You're not. No matter what Alabama, for those of you thinking, oh, the brand name's always going to get the benefit of the doubt. Not over 13-0, it's not other against other one-loss resumes we'll see. LSU is 9 and 0. Ohio State's 9 and 0. Clemson's 10 and 0. Baylor's 9 and 0. Minnesota's 9 and 0. Obviously not Minnesota and Ohio State, two of the remaining 5 unbeaten's can't both win the Big 10 title, right? So one of the remaining 5 undefeated at least will go down. In all likelihood more than one will go down. There are tough games ahead. Ohio State has to deal with Penn State and Michigan on the road and a Big Ten title game opponent. LSU has to deal with Texas A&M and then an SEC championship opponent, maybe a Georgia Bulldogs team. Clemson has to deal with 7-2 Wake Forest this week and then who knows who, UVA or a Virginia Tech or a Pitt as the coastal champion in the ACC title game. Baylor still has Oklahoma and Texas and a Big 12 title game opponent. And then Minnesota has Iowa on the road, Wisconsin later at home, and then maybe an Ohio State in the Big 10 title game. That's a lot of hard games. In all likelihood, we'll end up where we usually end up. One or two unbeaten resumes and then splitting hairs among a half a dozen or more one-loss resumes. Just keep that in mind so you don't overreact to tomorrow night's committee rankings. Those five teams are in control of where they end up. Everybody else, to one degree or another, needs at least a little bit of help. Brian, welcome to the best and worst of the weekend. Go right ahead.
1: D.G., I got to tell you, I feel like salted caramel because it was so sweet watching that of chicken. But, brother, to your point about one loss, I'm salty because Halloween night is still sticking in my craw with Look that you one loss to Georgia Southern. Dang it.
0: There's a writer in Brian and Apex right there, man. That's an underrated ice cream as well, salted caramel, don't you think? Absolutely.
1: Uh, it has uh, climbed the ranks for me over the last few years. I feel like <laughs> I see salted caramel everywhere, but it is delicious, man. Look, we weren't going to be in the Final Four or anything like that, but an unstate undefeated App State team would have made it in that group of five, Jan 1, Bowl games and all for naught, but still, man, what a win! What a win! And am I Carolina, correct?
0: South Carolina. I, I, met, I mentioned the Mountaineers are the first Sun Belt team ever to beat two Power Fives in the same season, so I know that's true. I believe it's true that that's the first Mountaineers win over any SEC opponent. That's correct, right? The yeah, game. I mean, we've been
1: spanked. We've been spanked by Tennessee and Georgia yeah. over the last few years uh, in recent history, and so we haven't had great luck. And look, teams want to keep bringing us to town. I think App State will happen probably.
0: It's a great story. The Mountaineers, of course, are back in position to play for that fourth straight Sunbelt title. The New Year's Day bowl game is unlikely because, as Coach Drink said, and I hope that made your day, Brian, Eli Drinkwitz live today on the David Glenn Show is one of our Best of the Weekend nominees. Uh, Maybe maybe even better than the Salted Caramel or or, uh, anything along those lines. Um, Because the American champion is likely to have a really good one-loss resume, who knows? There's a long way to go. The Sun Belt champ, App State or otherwise, probably would not get that benefit of the doubt. But as he said, win this week, go to Georgia State and get a win there and continue to control your own destiny. It is a great story. It is, you know, there are some good stories unfolding in the state of North Carolina right now football-wise. The only great story that I see, because others are struggling and scratching to get into bowl games, is App State. I mean, 12 and 1 Sun Belt champion status to be in the conversation for a New Year's Bowl game. Who, how many even optimistic App State fans back in the preseason? Maybe you even lived through going to the big house and beating the Michigan Wolverines at their place. And that's remember back when App was an FCS team. How many, I know a lot of App State fans. How many, not the optimistic answer, but the truth serum answer, you'd have gone to Chapel Hill and beat the Tar Heels and gone to Columbia and beat the Gamecocks in the same season? I know a lot of App State fans that would have said, well, we have a chance, and, and nobody should underestimate us, but one of those two to go with the Sun Belt title. Well, I'll take it. Well, so far, it's been even better than that. So credit to Eli Drinkwitz and his staff. And Mountaineer Nation has, has obviously rallied behind that team, and understandably so. It was a $900,000 check that the Mountaineers collected for their trip to Columbia. That is designed to be paying to get beat money. That's what it usually is. When you're at or near or over a million dollars, those are purchase-for-play games. That's not to, if, if somebody sees you as a relative equal, they pl- they're willing to play you at their place and come back and play you at your place. If they're looking down upon you, you know, through their nose, then they say, well, you got to come to play us. We'll give you a lot of money but we're not coming back to your place because you're a little guy and we're a big guy. That's what these games are about for the most part. Nine times out of 10, the team collecting the big paycheck from the lower-tiered conference takes a beating and then goes home with their $900,000. Once out of 10, maybe, you get the big paycheck and you get the victory to go with it. That's what the Mountaineers did in Chapel Hill, and that's what the Mountaineers just did in Columbia as well. I say it's not the only good... Story in our backyard, it is the only great one again. We'll see. I mean, is anybody betting on the Wolfpack to certainly get to a bowl game? They're 4-5. and five. They've had three different quarterbacks struggling to put the pieces together. They have a losing record needing two more wins to get the bowl eligibility after that destruction at the hands of the Clemson Tigers. Carolina has a losing record right now. Are they going to beat Pitt at Pitt Thursday night? Are they going to beat the Wolfpack at Carter Finley? State has had their number lately. Mac Brown's new to that game or new again to that rivalry. Are you guaranteeing two more victories for the Tar Heels? Duke just took it on the chin against Notre Dame. They've got a scratch and claw to get a bolt to a bowl game. Coach Cut is the offensive guru. That offense is not at all good. They miss Danny Dimes badly in Durham. They are not moving the ball. They are not moving the chains. They are not getting into the end zone. If it was only against Notre Dame, that would be one thing. It has been a season-long theme for the Duke offense. So all three triangle schools scratching and clawing to get into a bowl. We'll see if they make it. We'll see if they fall short. App is a great story. Wake is still a good story to me. Deeks are 7-2 and two as they head to Clemson, but they let what would have been a big victory Swirled down the drain in Blacksburg. Credit to Justin Fuente and Bud Foster. As Dave Clausen's Deeks fall to seven and two, and of course, they'll be heavy underdogs at Death Valley, so they might slide to seven and three, and they're out of the top twenty-five after spending much of the season there, given their seven and one start. The final was thirty-six to seventeen, Virginia Tech over Wake. And let, let me remember to throw in the Charlotte 49ers being five and five and having a chance to go to their first bowl ever in the history of that program under their dynamic young coach, Will Healy. They, they have three straight wins. They're in Conference USA. They're kind of in the middle of the pack there. But if he gets one more win, they're going bowling for the first time in school history. I'll count that as a good story. I mentioned to start today's show, Mike Houston's improvement. The Pirates are not bowling. But to go from hide-your-eyes-bad in September... To scaring the bejesus out of top 25 Cincinnati last week and then 9-1 SMU this week, that, folks, is a success story if you're willing to broaden the definition of success just a little bit, and I think deservedly so. App State, Wake Forest, ECU's improvement, the 49ers' possible bowl game. Wake Forest loss at Virginia Tech was disappointing, but let's give credit where credit is due as we come to your calls on the other side. 1-800-849-2761. The Hokies looked like a dumpster fire earlier this year. Some in that fan base were wondering, is Justin Fuente really the right guy for the job? Remember when Frank Beamer retired, Justin Fuente had 19 wins combined in his first two years there and a trip to the ACC title game. To go from those two successful years to what happened last year and this year, remember they needed to reschedule a game just to squeak into a bowl and keep that long bowl streak going? That's not what Hokies fans are used to. And then the slow start this year, the Hokies, after starting 2-2, two and two, are 6-3, and three, and believe it or not, still in contention for the Coastal Division title. They have won four out of five. The only loss in that stretch was a one-point defeat at Notre Dame, which is a nationally ranked team. Look what Notre Dame just did to Duke. The Hokies came that close to beating them in South Bend. So for your last five, Justin Fuente has come through the firestorm and the fan frenzy and has them 6-3 and and in contention in the Coastal. And I don't know if you saw this, but they honored the legendary defensive coordinator Bud Foster this weekend. And how appropriate Jamie Newman and the Wake Forest offense come to town as one of the most prolific in the whole country. Nobody had slowed a healthy Jamie, Newton, Jamie uh, Newman so far this year. Bud Foster's defense shut down Jamie Newf- Newman and that prolific Wake Forest offense. The Deeks were 7-1 and one on, on their way to Blacksburg. Bud Foster on the day he's being honored as a 33-year assistant coach stepping into retirement at the end of this current season. Justin Fuente has righted the ship. Bud Foster got another signature victory, taking out a prolific offense like Wake Forest. And by the way, former Greensboro Dudley quarterback Hendon Hooker got the win against the Demon Deacons. So there's a guy who was a star in the triad at the high school level kind of coming back to haunt the Demon Deacons. It's been several quarterbacks this year at Virginia Tech. Hendon Hooker gets the win over Wake as the Hokies improve to 6-3. 1-800-849-2761. Tony and Sanford once in on the other side. Matt and Raleigh once in on the other side. We have more of the best and worst of our sports weekend. You can be next as we look forward. Week 10 of the NFL concludes tonight with a great matchup. 7-2 and Seattle visiting 8-0 and San Francisco. More looking back at the weekend that was, and more looking forward at that matchup and more next on The David Glenn Show. I would never be so competitive, so childish, that I would actually keep track of my record as a coach in youth soccer. I mean, that would be ridiculous. So when I think about my 78 wins, two losses, and four (laughs) ties, not that I was keeping track or anything. Stay with us on The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. 1-800-849-2761. It is our last call for phone calls as we wish everybody a happy Veterans Day, as we pick over the weekend that was, as we look forward to tonight's matchup between the 7-2 Seahawks and the still undefeated 8-0 San Francisco 49ers. To me, it's a better matchup than anything we saw on Sunday. Better matchup than almost anything we saw on Saturday, although LSU and Alabama did in the end go down to the wire. Tigers controlled that game in Tuscaloosa for the most part before winning 46-41. Minnesota and Penn State 31-26. to Gophers over Nittany Lions. Another best of the weekend victory and quality matchup as well. Tony is in Sanford. And we met him on the Big Tailgate Tour. Shout out to Rob Black, this week's winner on the Big Tailgate Tour for Tailgate of the Week honors. And Darren, you missed the Storm Squad, man. They said to say hello to you. You were on assignment, so you missed. You had a rare miss on the Big Tailgate Tour. It was uh, Aaliyah, you know, uh, Aaliyah from the Storm Squad. Yeah, she's been with us a handful of times at NC State. I feel like. And then a a newcomer to the Tailgate Tour, it was KP hanging out with us as we ran around the parking lots and found really cool people to give away prizes to. Tony, we met in person, maybe by the tire toss itself. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, D.G. My best of the weekend it was getting to meet you, sir. Hey, thanks, man. I think I recognize your voice. You served our country in the United States military, right? Yes, sir. 24 years in the Air Force, Dave. Well, thank you for that, especially on Veterans Day, but also every day. What did you think of that Tigers victory? I could still see the orange that you were wearing as you came up to our tire toss.
1: Oh, I'm pretty proud of my Tigers. I just hope we continue to do so.
0: Hey, I've got an interview with Dabo Sweeney. Coming up, I'm a contributor to The Athletic Carolina and TheAthletic.com along with ACCSports.com. So folks can find an audio version of our most recent visit with Dabo at the ACCSports.com website. I have a new one-on-one with Dabo posting at The Athletic Carolina this week as well. And I'm telling you, man, you get him talking about his mom's role in his life uh, or other personal things. A lot of coaches clam up. He's like thrilled to get into the details. There's something really fun about that guy. Although I know Wolfpack fans, some of them are upset because they thought he ran up the score. And what was that? A linebacker kicking an extra point attempt uh, late in that 55 to 10 victory?
1: I believe it was. And, uh, you know, I met Davo for real, uh, in person, David, and he's more he's more genuine in person than he is, you know, in the in the interviews he does with you and on TV. He was to know about. He was more interested in myself than he was than I was to him.
0: And by the way, Tony, can you quickly tell that story? Now think again. Tony and Sanford represented our country. Uh, he showed me some photos on Saturday afternoon. He was looking great in his Air Force attire. And, Tony, you wore, you, you, I think you said you had trouble squeezing into your old Air Force duds as you were in Davo Sweeney's office, right? That's correct.
1: Um, when Davo got hired, I honestly I spent so much time out, out of the country. I was a little upset that he got rid of Coach Bowe, and I didn't know who the hell Bowe was. So, when he beat the Gamecocks for his first time, I rushed outside, you know, at Camp the Afghanistan, and I run a flag up the flagpole. Got a certificate made, you know, in celebration of your first victory over the South Carolina Gamecocks. It took me about eight years to get it to him, but. My role was I had to lose enough weight to get back in that uniform I retired in, and I did that. For the so record, to, to for to the record, Tony to looked really good flag. on Saturday. Go ahead. But I was able to give him the flag, and um, uh, and and hopefully he has it hanging somewhere in that great office. Here.
0: That is really cool, man, and I know some Wolfpack fans and others don't want to hear it right now. There was the quick, frosty handshake with Dave Doran at the end of the game. There was the 55 points. There was the linebacker kicking the extra point. What was it? An offensive lineman got a rushing attempt and scored a touchdown. I don't even think, by the way, Dave Doran minds the offensive lineman thing, Uh, and I'm not even sure Dave Doran cares about a quick handshake either. Um, You could argue over the rest of the details, but I'll I'll just say this to add to Tony's story, and it was great to meet you, man. Thanks for calling, and it was uh, fun to meet you in person. Tony was a really fun guy, uh, and thanks again for his service, in his case, in the United States Air Force, like my dad. Those who know Dabo best vouch for his genuine nature, and there's, I don't know, there's something about, there's an American subculture that likes to tear down people who get too rich and famous. And I'm not against it, by the way, if your criticisms are valid. You know, follow the truth wherever it leads, good and bad. That's my philosophy. I think people are making false assumptions about Dabo, and some are claiming, you know, the all shucks, golly gee, willikers thing is all a fake thing. Like, just listen, look at his interviews, listen to his interviews, and trust people who know him personally or professionally better than you do, because virtually everyone who fits that description, in my experience, and I know a lot of people after 30-plus years, vouches for his authenticity and his genuineness, even as I think, you know, more people are coming out of the woodwork to take cheap shots at Dabo than ever before. It doesn't mean you're going to like everything he says or does. I mean, that's a different story. I'm still seeking the first person that I like everything that he or she does or says. That person doesn't exist for me. I'm not one of you cult people that, uh, you know, if your person wins, he or she can do no wrong. I think that's a mental illness. Uh, So I look at the world a little bit differently. But even I, as a critical thinker, see overwhelmingly great, genuine things about Dabo Sweeney, somebody I knew before the rest of the world knew him. He was a no-name wide receivers coach at Clemson under Tommy Bowden and he's basically the same guy that I knew then more than a decade ago that he is now as a two-time national champion. Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch next. Christian Leitner, thanks for joining us. It's been less than a week since the I Hate Christian Leitner 30 for 30.
1: The final product of the movie was absolutely awesome. I love every second of it. Maybe I'm not seeing the same thing everyone else is seeing, but I thought the movie was awesome,
0: and I loved it. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the they come. Special thanks to Jim Zoki of the Carolina Panthers, Eli Drinkwitz from App State for dropping by today. TV picks include Senators at the Hurricanes. Darren and I and intern Will will all see you at PNC Arena tonight. Other TV picks, Elon gets a shot at Georgia Tech in college basketball. Seahawks 49ers, of course, a fantastic Monday night football matchup. NBA TV has a good doubleheader, including Raptors Clippers. Enjoy those games. We hope to see you tomorrow right here on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you?
1: David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.